Welcome to the American Happiness Project. I'm Michelle Wax, and I travel throughout the USA, interviewing Americans from all walks of life on how they reach happiness and fulfillment in their everyday lives, and most importantly, how you can too. Get ready, get excited, we're about to begin. This next episode is perfect for anyone who wants to create a more positive and uplifting environment at work. Sarah Salbu Young is an expert in employee experience, and she believes everyone can be a culture champion, regardless of your title or position. Sarah grew up in Connecticut and now lives in Boston, Massachusetts, my hometown. One of my favorite parts of this episode is when we chat the power of a positive mindset in the workplace and how to make a positive impact, regardless of whether you're in an entry-level role or have been there for 30 years. I'm so excited for you to learn from Sarah today, so let's get started. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the American Happiness Podcast. We're here with Sarah Salbu Young. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So as I was doing research for today, I noticed in a piece that you were described as a culture spark. Do you mind getting a little bit into your background and what, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Sure. So this is something that I, just after some personal reflection over the last few years, realized that really everyone, no matter what your role is within a company, no matter your level, your experience, your age, you have the ability to impact others around you in the workplace. And there is a lot of opportunity for spreading positivity. There's also a lot of opportunity for spreading negativity. Um, And actually, studies have shown that negativity actually spreads um, more aggressively, I guess, than positivity, which is why it's so important that I think everyone takes it as a responsibility to be a culture spark within an organization. And what I mean by that and what how I've become my own version of a culture spark, because I think it's different for everyone, but I make an effort to really connect with my coworkers. So one small thing is rather than sending, when I'm in the office, rather than sending a Slack message with a simple question, I just get up and go over and talk to the person. Um, And that just interaction, that personal kind of positivity and being upbeat about it, having a positive attitude and bringing that positivity to someone else is so powerful. And I've just found it's helped me excel and be more impactful in my role. Um, so yeah, so that's what it, culture spark, it's, it's a hard thing to define, but it's something I think is really important and I'm continuing to hone um, as I progress in my career. That's amazing. And you're an employee experience, which I believe is so mm-hmm. important because I feel like the number one thing I hear from all my friends and just at events and things like that is people don't feel appreciated mm-hmm. at work. Um, or they don't feel recognized. Mm -hmm. So how did you kind of end up doing what you're doing, which is such important work? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So it it actually was kind of an evolution at the company I was at before Mendix and then at Mendix um, had a an executive champion who really understood the importance of employee experience. So my background is in public relations. And so I was, I've spent my entire career doing like internal communications, public relations and events. And when I was at an early stage startup um, a few years ago, I actually got feedback about how when I'm happy and up, it really impacts those around me. And when I'm not feeling so great, it also has the same effect. But 
not so positive. And so that is what made put that in my mind of just how important this is that we have to make an effort to be um, optimistic and caring for one another because it just has such an impact on our workplace and our productivity. And so I had kind of this thought when I was at this startup, we were interviewing all of these people and um, I was like, I feel like I need to be in HR. I feel like I need to be like the person, our people people, <laughs> um, the person for our people. And at the time, the company was really small. And so the feedback was, nope, just focus on communications and marketing and so forth. So then I joined Mendix and I was doing public relations, got right back into it. And it was about a year later, our company was growing and we were adding all these people. And I was like, I think we need someone to be focused on our employees, almost like in a PR program, but as like a key audience. And so that's where this conversation started with actually the CMO here about how can we get involved in um, corporate social responsibility to use it as a team bonding opportunity, to use it as an employer branding opportunity, to be out in the community and raise awareness for our company. And um, so that's what started this kind of brainstorm. And that then it just led to creating a new position. And it's been a year and a half that I moved into HR and kind of had to figure out what was going to be the most impactful. One area of opportunity was inclusion in the sense of making sure people feel included in what's going on in the company. So I kind of revamped a weekly standup that we have. So it was actually a happy hour every Friday and it just didn't, no one really owned it. It just kind of lived in kind of limbo every once in a while, someone would get up and say, Hey, we went to this event this week and I want to tell you about it, but it wasn't consistent and no one had full ownership. So that was where I really said, okay, I can step in here, be your host, Conan O'Brien, and host this weekly happy hour, put a little structure around it. And it's now a, a tradition. Now it's like 345. It's like Pavlov's dog and everyone is like lining up in our cafe, uh, which is super cool to see. And we rotate who hosts and people get up and, and participate. And we also use it as a forum to give recognition. Um, so yeah, so that, that was really kind of step one of how I how I kind of carved my path in this role. And then the other thing that I'm working on is supporting um, supporting our employees in terms of learning. So the first program that I've worked on is our new hire onboarding program. So looking at just the new hire experience and what's that like. And, you know, the first 90 days of a job is so critical for setting up someone to be successful for the long term. And so that has been a big area of opportunity. So we have a really great onboarding program and uh, participation from across the organization. We have people come in and present about the different aspects of the different functions of the organization. We try to make it interactive. And so it's an ongoing evolving thing. I don't think we'll ever be done. It will never be perfect, um, but that's been a really cool project. And now kind of thinking about what other trainings. So now once you're past the new hire phase, how can we support and empower our employees at different phases of their journey, whether they be a first time manager, whether they're in marketing, whether they're in sales and they require different um, training opportunities. So that's going to be next on my list for 2020. That's <laughs> incredible. I'm reading the book Excellence Wins by the co-founder of the Ritz Carlton. Mm. And he talks exactly about what you're talking about, how those early days are just so important and often they get overlooked mm -hmm. or kind of just like, okay, here's mm -hmm. your key card and this is where you sit and that's it. 
Um, and so that's, yeah. that's incredible. You're focusing on that. How have you seen that impact employees coming in? Well, I think the, just the fact that there is a very clear effort put in to making sure that they're set up for success says a lot. And a majority of our new employees like really appreciate that. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but just the fact that there's their first three days, they're kind of separated from everyone else in a way. So they're kind of like protected. It's like, it's kind of coming in on a soft landing. Um, but yeah, we still create opportunities. Like we have a buddy program. So at the end of the first day, we have a buddy social. So I pair up each new hire with someone else in the organization, typically on a different team. And so then it's just like a free, you know, kind of networking social. So we, we want people to feel like they're getting connected into the organization that they're welcomed. We also think about how we've started using Slack and we have a dedicated Slack channel just for new hires to say hello. So the Slack channel is called Say Hello. Um, so on the first day, everyone is invited to post something just so that um, the rest of our employees know like who they are and all that stuff. Um, and then I think just the fact that our overall goal for onboarding is to make sure a new hire is kind of up and running as quickly as possible. So when they have an understanding, so we have, we bring in uh, presenters from across the organization, from different marketing teams, from our sales department, um, from our technical support, they come in and share an overview of what their team does. And so that makes it easier for a new hire that if a question comes up week one, week two, and they're not sure who to go to, it's, it helps to get them in touch with an expert or they have someone to go to. So, um, so I think people are feeling really good about it, both from just like the gesture of it, of the amount of effort and the amount of people involved in supporting it, but then also the information sets people up early on for, for success. So yeah, so, so far so good. It's been, been thumbs up. I mean, there's always room for improvement. Um, and we definitely have, um, a lot of fun. Like I've recently started incorporating an improv workshop uh, into onboarding, which is just, I've noticed it creates such a great bonding opportunity between the new hires. And so then they kind of have like right off the bat, kind of like an inside joke with each other. Um, so we do some pretty funny exercises. And so that's been a cool lesson learned of um, kind of creating like a class. So it's like the September new hire class, the October new hire class, they're kind of like distinct and then have their own little kind of, um, uh, kind of culture and bond, which is really great. Um, so yeah, so it's been, it's been a super fun project. I've really and enjoyed you it. Mentioned you now are you doing stand up. Is that, um, did that spot from the improv or is that separate? Yeah, separate. So it was actually, I just, I love comedy. I've just always been, I was in my college dorm room freshman year. I was reciting Dane Cook for my other <laughs> I love um, college yeah, yeah. So it was uh, my own source of entertainment for everyone else, which was awesome. And um, yeah, and I just was kind of looking for something that I could commit to just personally. I was over the summer just thinking about, hey, you know, I want to do something that I'm kind of committing to and um, came across this stand up comedy class. And then it was just serendipitous that a friend of mine connected me with someone who leads improv workshops. And so it just kind of, I think, just being open to and realizing the impact that um, comedy can have in a professional sense. Cause I've learned so much from stand up. It was only a six week course at laugh Boston and it was 
Awesome. You just like that. The theme of the whole class is being your authentic self because two people, if they tell the same exact joke, they're going to be completely different. So whatever you find funny, your observations, your thoughts, and the way you tell it, that's what's funny. And so I, I've taken a lot of that into just me personally at work of just the importance of being authentic and being yourself and also looking for opportunities to see the comedy and things rather than taking things so seriously, I think really helps in that culture spark aspect. Um, but yeah, the improv, just um, another way to kind of facilitate a group um, activity to get people to kind of break the ice and, and break out of their shell. Um, so yeah, so, so related, but not really necessarily on, on purpose. I didn't kind of take the class and then decide to bring an improv. It was more opportunistic. Gotcha. Gotcha. For almost like personal development as well. So mm -hmm, getting mm -hmm. back to that culture spark you just mentioned. So you mentioned at the yeah. beginning that anyone could be that. It kind of looks like different things for different people. And say say someone's yeah. listening to this and they're not, you know, they don't have a Sarah at their work and they're not really that enthused. Mm -hmm. How would they even start doing that? Especially, just to add to that, especially if they're not in really a position of high leadership, what would you recommend? Sure. So I think I I think that the opportunity is to kind of find your buddies. <laughs> um, you need to start making an effort, and I would recommend one on one with different people across your organization. So be proactive, take the risk, and ask people out for coffee or for lunch. And it, you could just do it randomly if you just are kind of like that person seems like they have an interesting job. They seem like we would be a personality match or that person seems completely opposite of the type of person that I am. Just start building your network and building trust with people being proactive because then that will help you. Um, then it, it starts to kind of it because being a culture spark only happens when you have relationships and people around you. So you need to start to build that network and kind of establish, you know, kind of your, um, I don't know, just kind of like your fit within the organization. Um, yeah, so that's that I would say. And, and then just making an effort. Like I think, like just for example, this past week, um, there are a number of birthdays at the end of November and December and with the holidays, just kind of a crazy time. So me and two of my close friends and coworkers, we just sent out a note to the office and said, hey, we're just gonna walk over across the street and grab a drink after work on Friday. If anyone wants to join, feel free. I think it was more than 40, probably 50 people came on Friday night wow. out of an office of like 120 people. Like it was just crazy. It was so incredible and so awesome. And it was just that effort. And that doesn't always work out that way. Like I've hosted events in our office space and it's just kind of, you know, whatever it is, just timing of it and other people's obligations, not many people show up and that's okay. But just by being kind of that steady drumbeat of putting an effort into getting people together, um, anyone can do it. You know, I just think, I mean, I happen to be in this position, but I just as easily could have been in my PR position and sent the same note and would have had the same, the same effect. Um, so I think it's stuff like that. So my recommendation, no matter what level in the organization you're at um, is start one-on-one -on -one building your network, building those relationships, finding your kind of core group of people who you can trust and um, 
kind of build that foundation and then also start start making an effort to be proactive of bringing people together. And that could be going out socially. It could be offering to host an event in your space or, or going together to an event like, Hey, you know, I saw this, you know, venture cafe is going to be hosting an event right near our office. Let's all go together. Who would like to go? You know, it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to cost anything. Um, it doesn't have to really be much effort on your part other than just kind of the social effort of putting it out there. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like so often people can be a little nervous to make the first move or to, excuse me, or to put themselves out there. And so just doing it in a small way can be really impactful. Right. That's, yep. That's why I would recommend kind of building your, your trust and confidence kind of one-on-one. Got it. Got it. Going back to the positive versus negative mindset. So yeah. this is so mm-hmm. powerful in really every aspect of life, but can you talk to, talk to it a little bit more in the workplace? Sure. Yeah. I, I just, I, and you know, it's, it's a, it's such an interesting topic and it's something I've been reflecting on a lot because I think back just in the last few months, I was not too happy at work over the summer. I was having a bit of a tough time. I had a new manager and we were not on the same page. We were not communicating effectively. And so it went on for a while. And I really didn't have, in hindsight, I didn't have the courage to kind of go to her and say, hey, you know, we need to like touch base here because I'm feeling a little out of the loop. So it went on a little bit for a while until it just kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, we need to, she really observed I was not very engaged in some of the team activities and stuff like that, um, which makes me sound like a hypocrite with what I just explained earlier, but it was just a temporary thing. And so, um, and so we finally had a chat and it just took like 10, 15 minutes. It cleared the air and I felt like a new person. So ever since then, that was the beginning of October. I feel like work has been amazing. And, but I recognize that it's not always amazing and it goes through waves. And even someone who I like to pride myself on being a culture spark, I wasn't at a hundred percent for a few months and it was, I kind of struggled with that. So my lesson learned is, um, and sometimes it can be awkward, but to do your best to, if you are feeling negative about a work situation or relationship, to try to communicate and clear the air and figure out a solution. Um, much easier said than done, but that's something that I learned. Um, and then and then just, I mean, I, for me, I the source of a lot of my positivity is comedy. Um, so I just like to surround myself with um, funny, funny things, you know, so I, I often watch funny videos of comedians and late night and stuff like that. And then I, that kind of like, infuses the kind of through osmosis that comes into my work relationships. And I try to make it light, try to make um, an effort to get to know people um, on a personal level and kind of share fun, fun stories. And so um, that has kind of a ripple effect. And so I think people then come to me when they're more like up. And so then that it just continues to like perpetuate because I'm I'm being positive to someone else and then they kind of associate me with positivity and then they like kind of seek me out when they're kind of up and feeling good. And um, 
so yeah, so it just kind of has this ripple effect, which is pretty that's, cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel like I, I can be the same way in that normally you're this person that is full of energy and positive. So when people have something mm-hmm. they want to share, they know that you'll generally be the person to support them, be like, yes, that's amazing. And it's really powerful. It creates this awesome yeah. ripple effect. Um, so getting back to when you were dealing that, going through that situation with your manager where things weren't being yeah. communicated, one of my friends is actually dealing with that right now. And so she feels mm-hmm. a little hesitant to kind of just approach it directly. Is that what you did? Or what mm-hmm. would you kind of advise if that's taking place to get to that talk, that 10 to 15 minute talk? Yeah, that's a great question. So it was actually, it was actually my manager who took me aside. She was like, Hey, I feel like we need to chat in private because, you know, um, and there were some things that actually that, um, I think we were both at fault for different reasons and we just needed to talk that out and kind of say, and just, it was the next iteration of our working relationship. So what I took away from that is, you know, we're still getting used to at any stage of working with someone, especially if it's like under a year or within six months is you need to just recognize that, Hey, this isn't anything personal. It's just, we need to figure out how we best work together. And so that was the kind of outcome of that conversation is, Hey, we just kind of, we weren't on the same page for a while because we just, didn't understand how the other person wanted to be communicated with. Um, and so, Hey, okay. Lesson learned. It's behind us now. Not going to happen again. Um, so that, that was the, the good takeaway. So my recommendation to your friend would be, um, to kind of frame it in kind of work styles and what works well, what doesn't work well. And let's just take this as, the next evolution of our working relationship so we could be more productive. Um, so it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. Um, I mean, yeah, depending on the scenario, it might be worth going for a walk, getting outside of the office sometimes is nice, kind of like takes the pressure away or just stepping into a conference room or, or even just setting the meeting only for 10 minutes. That way it's not this long drawn out thing about, well, I like to be emailed every morning about what's due, you know, stuff like that. It's just kind of like, hey, let's just get on the same page. Let's not make it a big deal. 10 minutes. Let's chat this out. Um, So there's a few different ways to kind of frame it that make it a little bit lighter and less intimidating. Right, right. Got it. Thank you. That's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of, I'm always fascinated by this circumstance. I ask it a lot in general. Say you're a person that for this situation, we can use the work environment, but it's also true in personal life a lot of the time or around family where you're surrounded by a lot of negativity or a lot of just Mm -hmm. things are going wrong or people are stressed out. They might be taking it out on you. Um, And say Mm -hmm. you're in a place, it could be personally or professional, where you want to get out of that space or you want to kind of shift your mindset to be more positive when it's been surrounded by negativity for a long time? What would be a good first step to do that? So I think that it's just that your mental uh, mindset is so connected to your physical mindset. And I think often when you're in a negative environment where people are, you're surrounded by negativity, there's, at least for me, then I tend to make excuses for myself. So I'll be like, 
yes, I'm going to go and have some Chips Ahoy and Cheetos <laughs> and stay home and watch, you know, Jimmy Fallon or Conan O'Brien, which, okay, that's great. That's good to do every once in a while. But I think it's even more important to be mindful of what you how you take care of your body during those times. So make an effort to go to an exercise class or exercise or walk to the T, you know, don't get on at one stop, walk one stop down to get yourself a little bit of exercise. Um, things like that. I think that exercise, eating healthy, avoiding alcohol. I think sometimes that can be something where, oh, I'm just having such a rough time at work. I'm going to have a glass of wine and stuff like that. And that's good every once in a while. But if that becomes your norm, you're just not setting yourself up physically to then be in a place where you can be more positive. So I would say that's like step one is you need to just take care of yourself, take care of your body as best as possible. And I think there, I think we all know how to incorporate better, you know, good, um, healthy behaviors. And, um, so that would, that would be my first recommendation. And then the other thought then kind of building beyond that is as you think about your environment is focus on the people who bring you positivity. I know that there are some scenarios sometimes when you're at a really small company, you know, it's, that can be hard to kind of step away, but if you're at a larger, larger company and you've done kind of your proactive outreach, you're building relationships one-on-one -on -one with people who you may not interact with on a regular basis for your kind of working um, uh, life, I guess, but, you know, making an effort, find your positive people, you know, don't, and avoid, try to make a conscious effort to avoid um, negative people. Like I had a, a scenario um, a few months ago where there was a woman who just, she no longer works for the company, but she was so negative and so visibly negative. It just had such an effect on everyone around her. And I was very aware of it. So I just kind of adjusted my, just even like where I wouldn't walk by her sometimes just to kind of like avoid that negativity. I know that's like horrible, but um, you have to set yourself up for success. And if someone is going to negatively impact you, that's not fair to do to yourself. Um, so it's, it's okay to kind of avoid it as best as possible and, and be strategic about how you kind of approach certain people. Um, so yeah, that would be, and then, and then I think finding like a passion, I can't believe how much, taking this comedy class as an example. <laughs> um, this is something that's been a passion of mine for a long time. I was looking for something just to kind of commit to and just kind of put like a consistent effort into something. It happened to be this stand-up comedy class. And as I started sharing with my coworkers, so I was a little timid for the first few weeks. I was like, oh, I'm not really going to tell anyone. I didn't even tell my parents. And then I started telling people and my family, my friends, my coworkers, really rallied around the fact that I was pursuing this and like really got into it. Kind of some people really admired it of, I can never do that. I can never get up on stage or stuff like that. Or that is so cool. Let, let, you know, let us know when you're going to a show. And a few of my coworkers came to one of my, my second open mic. I was like, I didn't even invite anyone. I just was like talking about it. And they were like, we're going to show up. And they did. And it was like, so cool. So there's, 
a great lesson in that of when you pursue something that you're passionate about, how that kind of authentic choice then impacts the people around you. And I think people really respect it and gravitate towards it. Um, so yeah, so I would say step one, you got to focus on your physical health and well-being, and then find your positive people um, and really rely on them and really build those relationships and as best you can avoid the negatives and then pursue something that you're passionate about. And it could be, it really could be anything. Um, for me, it was, it was stand-up comedy, but if you're really into crafting or something like that, or games, you know, kind of, you know, pursue host a game night or, um, host a craft night or something like that. Um, it's, uh, it's cool. I think people really appreciate and admire when people pursue their passions. So, that would be my last piece of definitely. Advice. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. That's incredible. They came to the shows too, or the standups. Oh my god, that must yeah. be awesome. I know, and that's what I told them. I was like, it's actually kind of amazing that I'm allowing <laughs> you guys to come because when I I was because it, it's nerve wracking, and when I was signing in uh, the second time, this one guy was in front of me, and he was like. I've been doing this for the last six months every Tuesday and my roommates don't know where I go every every Tuesday night because I'm too embarrassed to tell them. I just come here by myself and I'm standing there and I'm going, this is only my second time and two of my coworkers are literally going to be showing up right now. I can't believe this. Um, but it was super fun. Like I'm so, I'm so happy about it. So it was, it that's was cool. awesome too. And you must inspire other people too, to go after, especially with a thing like stand up, where you must feel not maybe vulnerable is the wrong word choice, but you know, you're putting yourself out there and it probably inspires a lot of people to do the same in their own respective, you know, areas. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So my last question for you is the podcast is called American happiness. So is there anything else you want to yeah. add? I mean, this was just such a great opportunity to reflect. And I hope what I shared is helpful to others. And I love what you're doing in this conversation. I think it's so important. It's so easy to kind of forget about happiness in our conscience and like to put the effort into happiness. I think that it's, it's almost like exercise where like lifting weights where like the more you're mindful and thoughtful about it, I think you can increase your your strength of happiness. Um, also recognizing that you're not going to be happy all the time and there is going to be, you know, it's going to ebb and flow and to not be tough on yourself. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love that you're st studying this and sharing this with others because I think it's just such an important topic. So I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my my insight. And um, yeah, this is thank great. you. Thank you so much. And thank you for being such a positive light. I appreciate it. Where, where would be <laughs> sure. best for people to connect with you? So I am I love Twitter. So I'm at Sarah Salbu Young on Twitter. I'm on Instagram and I'm public. So you can follow along there. I'm on LinkedIn, Sarah Salbu Young. So feel free to connect with me. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Make sure to check out our free resources online at www.american-happiness.com. Feel free to follow us on Instagram as well, at American Happiness Project. See you soon.